Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hello, I'm Scott Soshner. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Everything's Bigger in Texas sports business podcast, The Sportacast. Too simple, too simple. By the way, on our new platform here, it, it pops up, says actual recording is like of better quality. Yeah. That's not the content, right? That's like something else. Yeah, I think that's the resolution. <laughs> Unfortunately, people are stuck with exactly the quality that we are. I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, we are speaking right now. I yeah. thought we had like AI infused podcasts where like the quality, we, we say what we say, but it's like, wait, we could do better here. Uh, are we going to do the objects in the mirror closer than they appear conversation again? No, that was high quality conversation. I don't think enough people think it about was. it. I I, I'm, I'm dangerously I close to doing it again. Yeah, let's not. But uh, it makes can, no can to sense in, in a prior whatsoever. <laughs> I hate it. And by the way, uh, I know that the big texting, no texting and driving um, campaigns are out there. I got to tell you, every time I'm driving home from hockey practice and, you know, I have an hour drive home. I'm, I am not exaggerating when I say 30 to 40 percent of people are texting while they're on the highway. Oh, I agree. I mean, I do it. It's sometimes unbelievable. Too. Not proud of it, but I do it sometimes. Also, You do. I do. No good. Use the voice commands and all that. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, so everything's <laughs> bigger in Texas. I mean, I know that's your way of NFL valuations, but, I mean, you went with a line that is cliche. Oh, very cliche, yeah. So why would you do that? If you it know was going to be, cliche. how about them Cowboys? And I think that's also No, cliche. that's even more cliche. <laughs> so I chose that's, the less cliche of the, of the two roads. The, the less forest. cliche of the two yeah. cliches. <laughs> anyway, yes, Kurt Bottenhausen, hard at work the past few weeks. Uh, talks to about 40 people. I think that's what we came to, right? I think he talks to about 40 people around the league uh, to get a sense of how these teams operate their businesses and, and, and give you a clear valuation. And remember, it's not just the team. One of the things he, we do here at Sportico, which is absolutely necessary for the modern sports franchises platform company, is to also value the related entities. Uh, for example... The Dallas Cowboys have a very big real estate play in the star. How do you value the Cowboys and leave out the star? Odds are you're not selling one without the other, right? And if there's a stadium involved, if there's a network involved, if there's a finance component, all the things we talk about all the time, you cannot value the Dallas Cowboys and not include the real estate of the practice facility, the hotel, the conference center, and everything that goes with it. 
Agreed. And, and so I'll, I'll rattle off some numbers here just to get us started. Dallas Cowboys, no surprise, number one, $9.2 billion, followed by the Giants at $7 billion, the Rams at 6.94, the Patriots at 6.7, and in fifth, the San Francisco 49ers at $6.15 billion. Scott, the average NFL franchise now worth over $5 billion, a 24% jump. Over last year, some new TV money kicking in, uh, a, a sale we had, a $6 billion sale of the Washington Commanders. Um, I feel like deja vu here a little bit, Scott, but the business of the NFL, um, bulletproof may be too strong, but uh, shows no sign of slowing down. If Josh Harris at all felt that he was taken advantage of by Dan Snyder because he really wanted this thing, to see the average franchise now over five and to think that in the nation's capital for a brand, and I'm going back, just sort of the, the Washington football brand, not necessarily commanders, but that avid fan base, we know what that fan base can be with, as we have said a million times, a real estate opportunity in a stadium that prospective owners absolutely love. Of course, it to cost you a little bit more for that too. And what's another couple billion among friends, right? But if I'm Josh Harris, average is five plus, and I got in at 6.05, so Dan could have his pay is fine. Uh, I think that's a pretty damn good deal looking back. If I, if I plan on holding this asset for 20 to 30 years, I don't think Josh is ever going to look back decades from now and say, oh, man, I should have I, I really not uh, spent uh, $6 billion. I should have I held out for 5.4. I think he's going to be happy with the results. 100%. And to underscore the 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 way, just how different the NFL's business is from all the other major U.S. leagues, there are teams in the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, every almost every MLS team all lose money year over year. It is, using Kurt's words here, it's impossible to be in the red in, in the NFL. The national media check is so big, each team next year is going to get about $400 million just from national revenue alone. The fixed cost structure of the hard salary cap, they know exactly how much or essentially exactly how much they're going to spend. Uh, t- layer in some, some local revenue on top of that. Uh, the economics of the NFL are so that... You are making money, essentially, no matter how good you are, no matter how big your fan base is, everything else agnostic, uh, this team is going to be spinning off cash. And for the first time, I don't know if he's done this before, Scott, but but Kurt put together a chart of the operating profit. Oh, that's where I was going to go. Yeah, go for it. NFL team. Uh, the teams on the low end are in the 60 to $70 million. That's the Bills, the Lions, the Chargers, the Jaguars. Wait for the new teams. stadium in Buffalo, though. Bunch of teams in the $100 million range. Number two, the New England Patriots up at $260 million. Uh, number one, the Dallas Cowboys at $460 million, which gives you a sense of, of just how different, in, in a pool of businesses that are very strong, just how different the Dallas Cowboys are from an operating profit standpoint. Almost double uh, the next closest team doubled the number third, the third place team, the Giants at 215 million, uh, really have separated themselves head and shoulders, literally above everybody else in the NFL. And imagine, and this is one of the advantages I think they have over some of these other marquee franchises around the globe, that this business model is certainly by what we've seen does not hinge on winning. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, they have not won a Super Bowl in a very long time. Forget Super Bowl. They haven't won playoff game in a very, right? When's the last time they won a playoff game? Uh, lo- a long time. Yeah. There you go. Okay. 
So if you can, if if you know that your fans are coming back over and over again, you're packing that stadium, that they are touching your brand in almost every possible way. I'm I'm wondering why you know we don't see the, the Dallas Cowboys. They could have an OTT with behind the scenes footage, and they, this could be the franchise that charges thirty bucks a month with no games. No games on it. 30 bucks a month. You start putting coaches' conferences and stuff, exclusive access to the players and the coaches on your OTT, DTC, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think Cowboys fans are ponying up, and there's more, even more revenue in the pocket for Jerry Jones. Yeah, I think that I think that that's right. There, there's the the licensing story, which we don't need to get all the way into. But decades ago, Jerry Jones took the Cowboys out of the NFL's kind of joint big league wide licensing program. They do it on their own. But I can do it, it better. It, it yep. is also a massive uh, a massive revenue driver uh, for, for 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 the Cowboys. There's so much that the Cowboys are doing financially. Again, that is in just a different league from the rest of. Ex- Explain the, uh, the premium of the, of the NFL. NFL. Explain club seats, suites. Explain how that works in terms of in revenue share. Yeah, so the revenue sharing includes a, a, a percentage of ticket sales uh, from from all of the uh, all of the teams that get put in again to a big pool and then distributed as part of that national check. But these suite sales are essentially entirely, or maybe are entirely, uh, kept by the teams. So with a stadium like AT&T Stadium in Dallas, which is a, a huge venue, it's 80,000 seats. I think it's the second largest uh, stadium in the NFL but behind the one in, at MetLife Stadium. Um, a, a stadium like that that has a, a ton of, a lot of premium suites, hospitality, et cetera, um, that improves the economics for the teams. It's one of the things we're going to see in every new venue that pops up. Think about Allegiant Stadium, the, Vegas, the, 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 the Las Vegas Raiders. They jumped up five spots here, Scott, from last year to this year, value Valuation jumped forty-one percent to five point seven seven billion. Um, I imagine almost all of that jump is because they opened a, a relatively new stadium in, in Las Vegas. Were able to prioritize in the building of that stadium uh, a, a lot of suites, a lot of hospitality, premium seating that they get to keep the bulk of the revenue from. Uh, and we're going to see that again. We're going to see that in, in in Tennessee as they build their stadium. We're going to see it in Buffalo as the Bills build their stadium. Taxpayer. Every, every stadium that gets built in the NFL moving forward i imagine they're going to be a bit smaller than dallas they're not yeah. going to be eighty thousand seats they're probably going to be in the 60 to 65 range and they're going to prioritize the more expensive seats and the seats that nfl teams can sell and keep the largest percentage uh, of the revenue that comes from those sales right can i throw out an onion headline which i could you know sort of see here armed with that knowledge <laughs> couldn't you see an onion story and and i'm i'm basing this also of, of covid and everything we saw and uh, the way the NFL works, that Jerry erects sort of your plastic barrier between each seat, you know, and, and you sell it as sort of, you know, COVID response, although in Texas, I'm not sure you have to, but this would be the real, uh, a plastic barrier on both sides and a, and a plastic tarp across the whole thing. And he classifies each seat as a single suite, one person suite. Everybody gets a suite at AT and T. Every seat is premium. Every says seat NFL is owner. Sweet. <laughs> Uh, genius. Yes, <laughs> I imagine yeah. Roger Goodell and the other owners would have something to say about that. But uh, yeah, I, again, I think that is it's it's a uh, it's exactly what the, the trend we're going towards, which is more premium, less regular seating, more intimate, more high priced ticket options. That that again, you keep more of. That is the direction we're going. One other thing I want to say, just because before I forget, you mentioned how winning is not central to a lot of these valuations. There are only two teams in, in the top ten 
uh, NFL valuations, the, the the Giants and the um, and and the Patriots, only two teams in the top ten that have won a Super Bowl in the past decade. Well, there you go. Um, and I think if you expand that out to to to, to fifteen, so or sixteen, the top half of the league, only three of them have won in the past decade. I think the Seahawks being the uh, the other one. So uh, again, this is we see it in some other sports as well. The Knicks, the the Maple Leafs are two teams that are extremely valuable despite having uh, very little playoff success in the past few years. But uh, yeah, the the, the on field product, uh, the, the the Chiefs are, are not very high on this list. Um, the on field product does not mean your team is more valuable or less valuable. One thing I have heard in a lot of the labor negotiations that I have covered in three plus decades doing this is you would hear union bosses and players say, whatever the proposal is, it's unfair. You know what they're seeking. You know what owners are seeking. They want an idiot-proof system where even the biggest fool could still turn a profit. And then like, that's not fair. You know, you should have to be able to reasonably run a franchise <laughs> to be able to make a money, right? And I believe David Stern came around, he came around with some sort of, it was a comment like, um, you know, and any team that is uh, semi-well run or whatever would have a chance to win and make some money, you know, whatever his comment was. And now, let's be clear here. I am not calling any NFL owners idiots. That is not what I'm doing here. What I'm saying is they have an idiot-proof system. That should the biggest clown, the biggest fool, the biggest idiot somehow find him or herself in charge of an NFL team, that they would be hard-pressed, sell zero tickets, sell zero hot dogs, sell zero merch, sell zero beers, do not get one car through your parking. Uh, you want to help me out here? Like I'm trying to keep a nice angry stiletto, <laughs> staccato stiletto, staccato approach here going. You know what I mean? Don't sell jack. And you're still going to turn a profit because of that shared national revenue. So you're telling me I could run this business. Is what you saying. could run this business <laughs> in the black. That's what I'm saying. Eben Novi Williams could run an NFL team in the black. And you, even I know, I know your family, they would show up and buy tickets every, every now and then. Every now and then, yeah. <laughs> My mom would come to a game, a game a year. You could put a team on <laughs> mirrored after the Princeton Sprint lightweight football team. Very big on speed. Very big on, on trying, but inept, cannot score. Uh, and, and you could too. You could put that team on the field in the NFL and you would make a profit. Another thing we should make sure to, to touch on as valuations jump again, the average here, uh, 5.2 billion or so, um, that is a little less, but not that far from what the commanders just sold for. And as we've talked about on the show a lot, the commander sale, um, was difficult for some very, very rich people to put together enough money and enough money in the right way to satisfy the NFL's finance committee. Um, I, I think you and I agree that changes are coming. I think we may disagree on exactly the time frame for them, but it certainly feels like... I'm taking the under on the, whatever, the whatever the time... And it's like we haven't even picked a line of demarcation, <laughs> but whatever our, our fictitious line of demarcation in terms of massive seismic change in the NFL, I'm picking the under. 
particularly around the restrictive rules that they have for owners and new owners. There's a $1.1 billion uh, debt uh, limit for new owners. Um, That goes a long way if you're buying a $4 billion franchise and goes a lot less long if you're buying the Cowboys at $10 billion. I mean, Um, I'm the one who said stiletto, but you just said goes a lot less long? A lot less long. I'm a wordsmith, (laughs) Scott. What can I say? It goes a lot less Uh, long. (laughs) um, So so, so there's the debt limit. There is the the control owner at the beginning needs to have 30% down in his or her name. There is a limitation, 24, I believe is the number on the number of LPs. And then of course, the the, the big one, uh, no private equity or sovereign wealth or any kind of institutional funds are allowed to own chunks of NFL teams. My read on, on the Josh Harris process is that essentially the NFL looked at all these levers and thought, which one of these are we willing to set a precedent on? Which one do we want to hold firm on? Uh, and they were fairly strict from what I understand about going back to Josh and saying, look, this is this original deal doesn't really work for us. You need to make this change. You need to make that change. Uh, the Harris group ended up making a number of those changes. Um, but something has to give again at some point. If it's a year, you're taking the under, I'm taking the over. Something's going to have to give at some point if these numbers are going to go up 24 percent in terms of average valuation year over year. Do uh, do you ever watch on the Game Show Network card sharks? I do not. No. Higher, lower. You don't know the higher, higher, lower, lower. No. No. All right. Well, I'm lower. I, I, I'm firmly lower on this one. I, I something's going to come. They, they they need to do something. Um, I, I I think they bent over here to uh, get rid of Dan Snyder, and you know, yep. there were things here. If this was just sort of any old normal sale. That I'm not sure it would have passed mustard, but they, they made happen because they didn't want Dan Snyder in the group anymore. So uh, I, I am definitely I'm doing lower, lower, under, under. One one last stat that I wrote down just because I thought I thought it was interesting. Um, Sportico obviously values uh, teams in all five major U.S. leagues. We do European soccer as well. I think Kurt is going to branch out into more things. As of last week, so before these new most recent NFL valuations came out, all 32 NFL teams were were in the top 50. Of, of U.S. franchises and valuation. After these numbers came out, all 32 NFL teams are in the top 40 in franchise valuation. It, it so looks... NFL franchise values are akin to NFL programming in top-rated exactly, most-watched shows of the year. Exactly the comparison that I was going to make. Yeah, the, the concentration of NFL among little blips and, and spots of other leagues or other sports properties um, I mean, in the terms Yankees of valuation. Are be the Yan- Yankees going to Yankee is what Yankee, we're going to say. Golden yeah. State Warrior is going to Golden State Warrior. But yes, yeah. the, the concentration at the top for the NFL is, is getting more concentrated uh, in valuation, just like it is, as you said, in highest, uh, m- most watched or, or highest viewership sporting events each year. Did Lev, remember he had that great data viz that got passed around everywhere where he just put the football, 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 you know, for the most watched programs. He should yeah. do that for valuation. He absolutely too. should. That's a great idea, Scott. Um, we should do that. <laughs> if only he didn't sit like six inches away from me, um, maybe I could convey and like a foot and a half from you on the to the to the right. Maybe we could get this done. Maybe by the time people listen to this, they will have seen this exact chart whose whose idea providence came via Scott on this show. Um, they will have seen this on social media as well. Let me ask you something, Novi Williams. Yeah. In the, I don't know how many years that we have been doing this show, it just occurred to me as, as I'm looking ahead, like this is like, could be the, the close of our college playing career where you go into this, the second half. This is my last half senior, of playing. Senior night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is it. Like this, have, has there ever been a, a sport podcast, whether it was the Bloomberg Business of Sports or now Sportacast, where neither one of us was on the show? 
That's a great question. Thank you. Um, I don't think that's happened. I don't know. Certainly, you or I have been have been out, but but handed the reins over entirely. I don't think that's right. happened yet. I think we should tell everybody. I mean, I know Is we're only gonna... halfway through this one, but <laughs> yeah. but we, we are we're gonna we're gonna give up control a little bit next week. Um, I am, I am for the first time in a very long time. My wife is like really on me. Uh, we're going, where am I going? I'm going to Rome mm. and Dubrovnik. Mm. I, you know, that not, would not have been my choice itinerary, but that's what my wife wanted to do. And we're dragging the 14 year old focus Pasta group of one. Thrones. That's what, yeah. So I'll, <laughs> that's I'll report back to you, uh, how, how that goes. And you too, you, you're going to be out. For I mean, both shows I mean, or one show? At least at least one show. Probably at just the one, one on show. Monday. I'm going to be up in Canada, annual fishing uh, canoe trip up in northern Ontario. Phone's going to be off, no service, and hopefully I will be reeling in some some large lake trout when, uh, I, when I the next so. episode drops of this, now, don't of this Up show. there they say cottages. They don't say cabins. They say cottages, they don't, do, you, cottages, do you have a cottage cabins. for the trip? Uh, a friend of mine has a uh, place in Muskoka that we uh, uh, use as the best. Camp. But, We're what, not going to be what, hour plus there, north of, uh, of Toronto? Exactly, exactly. Swing by Weber's on the way up. If you know, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, it'll, yeah. Be a, it'll be a good trip. But tell people, Scott, what, uh, what is in store uh, next week. Uh, well, why would I do that? What's in store next week? I mean, just because <laughs> Jacob Feldman, I, I was first going to say Weber's and Westhead's. We got to get, mm. I mean, if Rick Westhead's listening to the show, our friend up there in, in Canada, maybe he should come with you. Uh, all I know is you, you said something about we're going to turn it over to Jacob Feldman, and I don't know if he's going to get by himself with a guest or if he's bringing somebody else on board. That's just potluck. But we, we can say Jacob Feldman will be one person that you'll be hearing well, we from. We are handing the reins over to Jacob for uh, what will be probably a smarter conversation than the one that you and I are having uh, today and biweekly on this show. And I'm looking forward to listening to it as well. Not, not true. But let's, let's be smart, though. Let, let's end our streak, our Ripken-esque streak of always appearing on the show, uh, talking about the ESPN uh, ESPN bet deal, you know, so uh, we've been waiting for some time. We knew ESPN was trying to get in the game. What were they going to do uh, at the end of the day? They're in, but they're not in. It's a licensing deal. Uh, it is the dominant brand in sports uh, after Sportico. There's Sportico number one, ESPN number two. So they're going to have a sports book. <laughs> yeah, wait, I can do it. Take, oh, look, I'm going off the screen. <laughs> ESPN bet. What are they going to get? A billion and a half cash over how many years was it? Over 10 years. Over 10 years. Another half uh, plus a billion. Plus some warrants. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, you want to break it down? Uh, what, what struck you? I mean, Portnoy Day Portnoy is getting bar stool back so that Penn could go and do this deal with ESPN bet. Uh, I think he maybe comes out as the biggest winner on the deal because he gets control of his company and he doesn't have to pay any money. <laughs> uh, if, if I'm getting it right, is what any half of a future sale would go to Penn, but yeah. I'm sure he's okay with that because if this thing goes well with ESPN, a half of a future sale would be a pretty good number. So, so there's essentially two transactions happening here simultaneously. The, the first being the, the big ESPN deal. Um, Penn National is going to take its sportsbook, which is currently Barstool Sportsbook, and I'll get to that in a second. But Barstool Sportsbook in a few months is going to become ESPN Bet, the, the Barstool license going away, ESPN license coming. And, and Penn National, the gaming company, is going to be operating uh, a sportsbook with the license of the ESPN name and a whole bunch of rights that come along with being a partner with ESPN. 
And that includes odds on ESPN shows, on the bottom ticker, on ESPN.com, probably some integrated marketing where you can click on something in a story and get taken right to the ESPN bet homepage so that you can wager on it. Um, the, the ESPN bet is going to become, for all intents and purposes, yeah. the sports book of record. Yeah. And this over is where the ESPN. light bulb goes over my head and say, oh, now I know why they went and got Pat McAfee. <laughs> it's going to help. Right? It's definitely, yeah. <laughs> it is definitely going to help. You're going to hear yeah. him talking about this quite a bit. Um, and then as, as part of that, as I mentioned, the, the currently the, the, the pen main sports book is Barstool Sportsbook. Uh, that is because Barstool, uh, Penn bought Barstool in, in a series of transactions over the past few years. But let's explain the thing. The thinking few... has always been that because they have this loyal customer base, you know, yeah. big database of, you know, whatever, 18 to 34s, you know, whatever, you know, loyal to the brand that they would automatically go and use this brand. And you and I have, have talked about this over the years, sort of. I don't understand why everybody isn't, Sportsbook agnostic. For me, I, I understand the whales. You know, maybe they go to a certain one, like it's if there's a different platform that serves their needs, fine. But you know, Joe Schmo, me, or you cycling across uh, the uh, George Washington Bridge back in the day to to say, oh, I'm in New Jersey, I can place a bet. Like I want the extra half point. I want the easier user experience. I couldn't give a rat's patoot if it's ESPN, Barstool, FanDuel. DraftKings, it it just wouldn't mean anything to me. What, why loyalty points? And like you know, is it a Marriott situation where I've started there, I got my points, I want my free rooms? Maybe that plays a role. But I would have accounts everywhere, and then just go wherever I feel I got the best line. So, so Penn is swapping out one media partner for another, dropping Barstool, yeah. adding ESPN, and, and I different think demographic in those you're, two. You're asking the right question, though, Scott, because there have been so many media companies that have thought that they could convert their Foxbet. Fox bet, Maxim bet, um, Sports Illustrated, The Score, so many companies, Barstool included, right, that thought that they could take easily convert their large or small, whatever it is, audience and, and make an avid group of bettors out there. And it has not worked anywhere in the U.S. market yet. So what should I think of if I'm Michael Rubin and Matt King and what am I thinking right now? I think you're. Um, I, I mean, I think it, you, you have a, a bigger competitor now, right? The, yeah. Not only are you competing against the incumbents right now, you also have a new challenger in ESPN. Um, so it makes things a, a little bit more challenging. I think the, the the Fanatics plan is a little different in that they are also trying to convert their large customer base uh, into gamblers, but they're not a media company. So maybe there is a different approach there than than what an ESPN or a Barstool will be. They're going to be a media company. There's going to be programming. Will be. Yeah. yeah but they're going to be a media company. If you look at all, there's been dozens of 40 plus probably sports books that have been regulated in the U.S. in the past five years or so. The ones that are winning are either daily fantasy sports startups, DraftKings and FanDuel, or their legacy gambling companies. It's BetMGM and it's Caesars. That is what has risen to the top. It's none of the media-driven brands have been able to do it. If anyone can do it, I think you can make an argument that ESPN's in a better ESPN, position. Yeah, that is the dominant brand right else. after Sportico, right? Um, and and that's the, again, that's the big question here: is 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 the, does this model just not work because ESPN hasn't tried it yet, or is this a model that just doesn't work at all? Right. And we're going to find out. I think in the next few years. That I heard today on an, on an earnings call. I think Jay Snowden, the CEO of Penn said that the goal is to get 20% market, market share. share. That's hey, if I heard it and you heard it, number. it must have been important. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge number. Um, and and I would be shocked if they're able to get that at any point relatively soon. I think that would make it the right now, I think only DraftKings and FanDuel 
Uh, yeah. Fanduel being number one and DraftKings being number two are are, are above that twenty percent threshold. Um, if that happens, that's a huge success. Um, I, I imagine Michael Rubin and Fanatics have a similar target, thinking that yeah. a healthy twenty percent would be a great result. Um, Lose a bet, get a free T-shirt. They're not both going to get it, I don't think. Uh, just given how how you know mature I think this market is to a degree already. But yeah, we're going to find out very soon. If again, if this model just hasn't worked because the right people haven't tried it, or if this model doesn't work because the idea of converting media into loyal and loyal is a big word, as you said, Scott, because getting them to bet once is easy. Getting them yep. to bet repeatedly on your site is the hard part. Um, we're going to see if that actually ends up being work. I was the one time better. I, I won my first one, then I had to bet it again. You told me to bet Wyoming minus seventeen in college basketball. Boom, they won. Thank you very much, and I closed my account. Yeah, you're uh, you're you've never lost. You're undefeated. Um, I, I am a winner. I, I finished my betting career up at least. Going I don't know if it was Fanduel or DraftKings. I really don't remember which one, but I should actually do it once with all of them if I was smart. But yeah, the, that's the thing. If if you're one of the, the the smart way to play this is to is to take advantage of the massive uh, bonus bets and 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 deposit matches and all that that happen. And ESPN's going to have to do some of that, I imagine, when when it hits the market. Fan uh, Fanatics is going to have to do a little bit of that, I think, when it hits the market as well. So there's going to be opportunity if you if you live in New Jersey and you've used up all the thirty which, or so which I do uh, the thirty or so apps already. Um, there's going to be some new ones uh, hitting your inbox at some point soon. That will, I have not. Uh, I, I've only let, used up the one. I think it was Fanduel. I don't know why, but that was the one I had. Uh, By the way, and this is apropos of nothing, but I had breakfast uh, today with somebody in the industry who turned me on and like whipped out the phone and turned me on to like the uh, this live show of the Fanatics Collectible Show. Or do you watch this Fanatics Live? I have not watched it. It launched um, two weeks ago or so at the National. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like they're unboxing cards and you're putting in your bids to get anything team related, and and then there's the show social component. I mean, that talk about a rabid audience uh that's a rabid loyal audience who just had the show in chicago yep. or the collectibles show um so that's something they're doing very right like that, that that's that's got a lot of components to it like the future of media and, and commerce uh i was we, watching we it could... I, it was pretty i was pretty impressed it was it was I, compelling if i was into the collectibles market i'd certainly be there all the time we could do a whole show on fanatics and at some point hopefully michael rubin will join us and we will do a, a full show on fanatics sure, but i'm up for the, it the, the extension into betting and trading cards is getting a lot of attention but as you said fanatics live now getting into live commerce uh fanatics events getting into uh big yeah. scale both collectible yeah. and just general sports fan comic-con mm-hmm. style events that's going to come next year um Michael is pushing ahead of an IPO, pushing that business in a lot of really fascinating ways. Um, and, and we'll definitely break that down at some point on this show. All right. If you listen to the show regularly, uh, hopefully the last one, uh, we were talking about my going into the garage, digging through an old box. And um, if you're just listening to this, you're out of luck, but you get to a computer and maybe click on our, our clips um, because I, here's the video as well. But here is the Oregon duck lips. I've got them right there. I found them in the bottom of the box because uh, we were talking about all of the Pac-12 and all that stuff. So uh, thank you to my friend. He knows who he is, who sent me these years. In, I mean, this is going back I probably 15 years. Somebody sent me these and they were hanging on the desk and I still have them. So I will. I am going to test. I was going to say, give the people what they want. I am here, going Scott. to <laughs> test it, the quack quack. And see, it, and I should do it like this so people, you know, you get the whole thing. I, I might have to hold on, stand up a little bit and see if this <laughs> works out well. But this will be your cue. I'm only going to do two quacks, Novi Williams. That will be your cue to, to close the show, right? <laughs> no, it's not working so well. 
Not a good quack. Oh, that's it. If you blow too hard here, it doesn't work. It, you, you, this, this is the problem. Hold on. Ready? I'm going to give it a very light pressure here. Hold on. There it is. And the number two. Here comes the second one. This is your sign. There is probably a Pac-12 <laughs> joke to be made in there. That man with the duck lifts. He is Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. I am Evan Novi Williams on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. The show is produced by Keith Zanardi and Aaron Greenewald. Shout out to both of them. Sportico's digital media editor, Cora Veltman, would like you to know that you can follow the show at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. Exploreminnesota.com slash live.